stream. We are dreamed into existence. What we do with that dream is up to us. This is Stream. I am Jessica Deruta, and I share with you my stream of consciousness. Please take what serves you and leave the rest. Let us begin. How we dream is as important as what we dream, for the what of the dream knows itself through the how. I have great ambivalence about being an astrologer. Like most things that I love and care deeply for, I have very mixed feelings and emotions. You could say that astrology and I are in a love-hate relationship. And today on Stream 11, on this full moon on Father's Day, June 16th, 2019, I would like to share with you my anger, my frustration, my disappointment in astrology, in the field of astrology, and the way that I see astrology being used in practice. In honor of this Mercury-Mars conjunction in Cancer, opposite the Saturn-Pluto conjunction in Capricorn, right on the nodes, I am going to open myself to my astrological rant. If for any reason you do not want to hear me rant about astrology, you should stop listening to this podcast now. This Mercury-Mars-Saturn-Pluto opposition is right on my sun. It's really on my sun, Mercury, and moon. So I'm feeling that energy of the Mercury-Mars that has a lot to do with the aspect of debate, um, of having intellectual conversations that are fiery and impassioned, um, being in touch with my anger, Mars, um, but also having the courage to speak Mercury, you know, my truth around um, really the the Saturn-Pluto dimension of morality and ethics uh, in, in regards to astrology. And for those of you who have followed me over the years, you know how deeply I care about ethics. Um, in astrology. It was my first talk that I ever gave, uh, I think on YouTube, the ethical dimension of astrology. And you know, a lot of that is because I'm born with Jupiter square Saturn, uh, Jupiter Mars conjunct uh, square Saturn. And so there's a, there's a strong kind of warrior, fiery, impassioned energy that I carry around ethics. And it's interesting because there's two main streams in my life. Uh, being a psychotherapist, and you know, having a full-time private practice while also being a lifelong astrologer. I mean, I, I began astrology when I was 20. It's been over a decade now, and I believe that it is my path and my destiny to carry both of these two things together. I think it's why they've showed up so strongly 
in my life, especially from such a young age. Well, as many of you know, the reason why I became a therapist is because I wanted to be the best astrologer that I could be. So I was giving readings professionally. And as many astrologers describe, when you're giving readings, you come up against a certain edge. And that edge is often described as feeling extremely karmic and heavy in that when you really sit with what is happening in an astrology reading, the astrologer comes up a kind of crisis in faith and a crisis in morality of looking and examining oneself and saying, wow, the, the power that I carry to potentially change people's futures, to change their destiny because of something that I say in the sacred space that we're holding in that time together is overwhelming and immense. And, you know, the best astrologers come up against that point. And it can often be very crippling or paralyzing. For me, it stopped me dead in my tracks for an entire year. I stopped doing readings. I wouldn't even look at my own chart and transits because I, I needed to, to just deeply sit with and feel was I willing to take on that responsibility of being an astrologer? Because whether we like it or not, we carry a high priestess, high priest energy when people are coming to us to translate the heavens or the stars for them and oftentimes asking us the most difficult questions. Will I fall in love? Should I get married? Will I ever have children? Should I get divorced? How can I make more money? What is my true calling? What is my karma? Why am I suffering? Right? These questions that we get asked as astrologers all the time, day in and day out. And people saying, what does it mean? What is my destiny? What is my fate here on planet Earth? What do the stars have to say about who I am? Now, it's a great privilege and a great honor to be in that space and into that role. But it's also terrifying, at least it should be. Because for any of us who have received a reading, whether an astrology reading or a tarot reading or an, uh, an, an, an energy reading, whatever it might be, we all know the power of the words that the other person carries when they tell us something about who we are or what is going to come to pass. No matter what. There is a innate power in the words of the oracle. This is where I come up against my own edge because I love being a channel. I love surrendering myself to the divine, to the universe as my prayer before every session is, universe, I surrender to you and I open myself to you fully and wholly for you to move through me in the most clear way as possible so that whoever I'm sitting with may be touched and moved deeply by your presence in our time together, that they may hear and feel and see whatever it is they need to help them move forward in the best and highest way possible. 
And I do my best to honor that prayer. Yet here's the truth. And here's the truth that I want us to be talking about more together, especially as professional astrologers. Giving professional readings. Which everyone should be paid for. I don't care if you're brand new. You deserve to be paid for your time for holding space because that is what we're doing. We are holding sacred reverential space for messages to come through to help heal and guide that person on their path in this messy, painful world. But here's the, here's the thing. There are not any regulations in the field of astrology. There are no ethics. People can say and do and practice however they want, whenever they want. Now, there might be opinions and there might be, you know, what we would like to think of as certain standards of do's and don'ts, but there is no consensus there is no agreement on how astrology should be practiced. I'm not even talking about what techniques to use, you know, use, you know, Western astrology, tropical zodiac, Vedic astrology, the sidereal zodiac, how system. I'm not even talking about technique. I'm talking about a standard of care, as we call it in psychotherapy, a standard of care where you are practicing within the scope of your practice within the, the capacity that you have in your training to work with people in certain ways. I think this is a great benefit of the psychological field that it brings to astrology, that it has the potential to help astrology raise its standards in its standard of care to become more ethical. I believe there should be rules and guidelines and ethics to how we show up as counseling astrologers. Because what sets counseling astrologers apart is that we are counseling. Counseling is the first word there. We are first counseling, then we are astrologers. Astrology is a tool or a modality that we use to hold space interpersonally between us and the client or clients for some type of meaning to come through that will affect that person in their life and their decisions and how they see themselves. So my main point here is that you could be masterful in the language of astrology, right? Astrology as the language of the stars. You could be masterful in knowing the meaning of the planets, the signs and the houses. You could be absolutely fluent in that language, studied with great teachers, you know all these different techniques, know the planetary archetypes inside and out, but that has absolutely zero to do with one's capacity for holding sacred space and doing counseling work, which is inherently relational and therefore working in the interpersonal and intrasubjective field between at least two people. 
the counseling astrologer and the client. But for some reason, we turn this complete blind eye to the fact that we're doing counseling work, that somehow, I, and I don't know how this happened, but the field of astrology conflated the two things together. And they said, if you learn about astrology and you learn how to use this tool as an amplifier of consciousness, as a powerful sacred medicine, as it is, just as powerful as doing entheogens, just as powerful as doing different uh, initiatory rites rituals, sun dance, uh, sweat lodges, um, uh, fasting, right? And astrology can be and is often as powerful as these other medicines that people use to open up their consciousness to receive visions and insights that somehow just because you know astrology, that means that you can hold space for people. Those two things have literally nothing to do with each other. So why then are people giving readings who've had zero training on how to do counseling? Let me, let me put it into context here. Therapists who become licensed, not only do they have to do two to three years, depending on their program, of master's work, graduate level courses where um, you are going in and you're learning about psychological theory, you're going in and you are reading and writing thousands of pages about different uh uh, practices of therapy, right? Different schools of thought. And then you're actually having to not only read about it and write about it, but you have to do what's called practicum. You have to see X amount of client hours while in school to even get the master's. This isn't even for the license, just to graduate and get an MA in counseling psychology. You have to see clients for like, I think it's like just one-on-one -on -one client work, like 300 hours, and then there's like 50 hours of personal psychotherapy you have to go through, and then you have to have X amount of group work, and you have to have X amount of group supervision. I mean, it's very extensive. And then in, in my school, we had to write a master's thesis, and then you have to take oral exams, right? You have to pass all these tests to show that you're knowledgeable and proficient and that you're a safe person to be holding space right? Clinically. So, and then after that, if you want to get licensed, you have to get 3000 hours. That usually takes people, you know, somewhere around five to seven years after they graduate to finish. It's in total, like somewhere between minimum five years, if you're super fast tracking it. And for most people, it's like eh, closer to eight, 3000 hours to get your license. Now, I'm not saying that in order to do a reading, you need to go get a master's degree in psychotherapy or you need to do you know, that many hours of training, but I am saying that I believe that it is ethical and just, and there should be a standard of care that if you call yourself a counseling astrologer, you have to have at least some basic training in counseling work because you are holding space for people who are bringing you oftentimes their 
most uh, vulnerable and, and, and intimate parts of themselves. And here's the other part of the truth of the reality of the situation is people come to astrologers in moments often of crisis and transition, right? This is why we get asked the big questions. I'm going through divorce. What should I do? Right? I just lost my job. Who am I? I'm having a spiritual emergency or a spiritual awakening, right? Um, I'm interested in, um, you know, pursuing love. So because I, I want to have children before, uh, for women, you know, before I don't have any time left for that. Or um, I remember one of my very first readings I ever did. I mean, this was seriously like the, in the, within the first 25 readings I ever did, way before I had any training, the person told me in the session they were suicidal, that they were actively suicidal. And I just remember being like, whoa, nobody prepared me for this moment. I have no idea what to do right now. So I'm going to breathe and I'm going to let that person know that I'm there for them and that I'm going to, you know, I I asked them if they wanted to speak to someone about it. I asked them if they, you know, wanted to get help, if they wanted support, you know, that made it clear that I'm not trained to hold space in that way, but that I do know therapists or give them a number to a hotline, right? Like I did the best that I could in that moment, as we all do, when I was faced with, I think I was 21 at the time and I had no idea and you know by now I've sat with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of clients and I've heard just virtually about everything under the sun I mean I've had people uh, tell me before uh, crimes that they had uh, committed in the past right Uh, I've sat with people who've been the victim and the perpetrator for all different kinds of things, right? And as a psychotherapist, we're bound by confidentiality, right? But we don't have those same guidelines in astrology. Like we hope that we're being confidential and that we're offering confidentiality, but there is zero legality to that confidentiality. Right? So the, the, the frame of holding space, the boundaries around the space that we're holding, there really isn't any agreement or consensus on how to do that. And I think that that is a detriment to the practicing astrologer. I know that the majority of practicing astrologers that I speak with, especially um, people that I have worked with, and this includes my colleagues to students, feel that they are operating in the dark with very little support, right? In psychotherapy, when we're getting our hours, we have a supervisor and we go through supervision. And our, a lot of our training is that there's someone who's already licensed, who's more experienced than we are supervising our work. And so we're, we're working with them on our caseload, right? And we're getting real-time feedback about how we're doing. And what, you know, we get, a, we have someone who has our back because it gets scary and hairy and messy in there. And we get to go and ask our questions and work out our issues and be confused and say, I don't know what's going on. What should I do? Help me. And God has blessed the astrologers, but we don't have a place to go for that. And that is 
very sad and it is a huge loss to us. I mean, yes, the client who of course I'm very concerned about, but I'm right now just want to focus on the practicing astrologer. You deserve to have support and guidance around this holding of space for people and the, the issues that come up, right? We all have limitations. We all have areas where we have blind spots or we need, you know, we get activated, right? If someone's coming in and they're telling you that they're having an affair and you get particularly activated around that material and then you tell them what to do, coming out of a place of what we would call your counter-transference response back to the client, that goes unchecked and, and you, you know, you judge them or, or you give them some piece of advice, like that actually might not be the best thing for you or for them, right? It's human. It's normal for us to have triggers and for us to get activated. And that is why we need a interlocking chain of support right, of overlapping concentric circles of support where professional counseling astrologers have a place to go that is legitimized to receive support and guidance around holding space for people. Just like we do in therapy, just like we do when we pursue psychology. This is a big part of why I am so looking forward to offering my astrological counseling course uh, this fall of 2019. And my vision is to offer it every two years and to get a small cohort of professional astrologers uh, over you know, a four month period together, working intensively every week and you know, me having the great honor to hold the space of providing supervision, pr providing astrological supervision around giving readings, right? We'll, we'll focus on how do you sit with different types of clients? What do you do when someone asks you to predict their future? What do you do when someone asks you for advice? What do you do when someone doesn't want to pay you your full fee? What do you do when someone wants to offer you a trade and you're not sure if you want to take it or not? How do you know what price to set your readings at? How do you get yourself out there and get exposure and have good public relations? How do you um, record the session and get it to them? How do you deal with different potential um, conflicts or miscommunications that come up before, during, or after the reading, right? How long do you give a reading for? How do you give a reading? What type of people do you want to work with? What type of people don't you want to work with, right? We get to ask all these questions that we normally don't have the opportunity to reflect upon, especially with other people who are in the profession with us and with someone who is experienced in, you know, having all of these different type of issues. I essentially am creating this course because I am wanting to give other practicing professional astrologers everything that I did not receive and wish I would have in the beginning formative years of my work, right? Especially the first five to seven years, right? Before you come up against that first Saturn square of the maturation of your work as a professional astrologer, you know, I 
I was operating in the dark and I was doing the best that I could and my readings were great and I got wonderful feedback and there are things that I wish I would have known like that I was undercharging for readings that there is a standard upon which one needs to uh, charge for because you know you come up with your fee based upon three things. One, what's the industry standard? What's the average industry standard, right, for giving readings? Two, what is the average industry standard for giving readings in your location if you're giving readings locally? If you're getting it, giving them online, then that's another story. But, you know, the price that you charge for your readings actually has a lot to do with the zip code that you live in. And then third, your level of experience. Yes, when you're newer to this practice, you charge less because you don't have as much training, but you don't charge as little as I think most people think they need to charge because actually that's not fair to your peers and your colleagues who are charging the industry rate. You're undercutting them and that's undercutting the field. And so actually that isn't the best standard to go upon. There's a, there's a, there's a middle path there around knowing what we can charge. And I know for a fact that the majority of astrologers are undercharging. And this is also part of my rant, and this is kind of gonna shift here a little bit. Uh, you know, and I'll, I'll just say one last thing about the counseling courses. I'm excited to not only provide that clinical experience of working with clients and how to do readings, but the business side of it. And that is something that is seriously lacking as well. I think because there aren't standards uh, in astrology that you know most people don't know how to pay their taxes. They don't know how to uh, create a website and in a way that um, gets people to uh, really get a, a true feel for who you are that a lot of people don't know how to go about cancellation policies or rescheduling policies right one of the greatest gifts that I got from my supervisor when I was getting my hours for my license was he helped me become successful in kind of what I would call the more masculine side of the work which is holding the frame the boundaries around time space and money right? The beautiful part of the container that protects us and the clients, right? I always say this, our office policies that we create as a practitioner are the ways that we get our needs met because we're showing up and holding space for other people and it's always about them, right? The way we get to make sure that our needs are met is our office policies. And my supervisor, he really helped me fine tune that. What are my rules? What are my boundaries? What are my fees? Right? So I love supporting people in the business side of things because that just enhances and deepens our capacity um, as uh, doing this counseling astrology work. So I'm going to transition here into another component, um, which is why the hell are we not charging appropriately for doing this work? And I think there's a lot of reasons to that, but I think one of the biggest ones is because the tendency for people to move into what they call the helping profession, right? Social workers, therapists, um, astrologers, right? We 
we usually are caretakers, right? Our role in the family system growing up was we were the ones that put our needs aside and took care of everybody else. We were oftentimes parentified children. We grew up too quickly. You know, we ended up holding space for people. That's why we seem wise, uh, you know, or, uh, or because we're highly empathic and usually empaths are formed out of being in an environment where they need to be in a place of being, uh, overly or hyperly intuitive as a survival technique to to get by so we get really good at scanning the environment and reading people's emotions and reading people's facial gestures and and body gestures because we're we're scanning them for whether or not we're safe and whether or not you know everything's okay and so we overuse our intuition and our feeling function to feel into what the other person wants and needs and we take that into adulthood and, and, you know, a lot of us then feel called to making some kind of profession out of that. And then, you know, I would say, and that's why you deserve to be paid for the thing that you've been doing for free your whole life and was probably, um, you know, highly likely used for that either by uh, a, a narcissist or someone who is narcissistically wounded around you, right? This is how uh, intuitive impasse usually get formed. We're naturally predisposed to it through having strong Neptune aspects in our charts often or strong Pisces signature. However, you know, the, our conditioning, uh, you know, there's, uh, there's appropriate ways to use your intuition as a child and inappropriate ways. And if you were used for your, for your sight or for your intuition, as a lot of people who are, are in the caring profession, a helping profession, um, you know, then we grew up uh, learning to get self-worth out of pleasing others. Well, the tendency there is when you become an adult to have uh, lower self-worth and self-value. Therefore, you're either uh, holding space for free or for uh, what I would call slave labor, uh, where the amount of hours that you put in before, during, and after a session uh, I, like the true amount of time that you spend preparing for a session, whether that's studying the chart, clearing the space, you know, um, preparing energetically. I want you to calculate how many hours you spend. And then I want you to look at how much you charge. And then I want you to see the hourly rate that you actually are making. And I know for a fact, because I've been doing this for long enough with people that most of you out there are working for slave wages. And that's not okay with me because you deserve to make good money for this. When we do this work, we spend so much time in investing in the way that we hold space beyond just studying astrology. And I know you know this, but all those practices that you have, all your spiritual practices that you have are investments in who you are as a space holder. And this is why people come to see you. They're coming to see you because of you. And you just happen to be using this amazing tool of astrology to help guide them. But it's you. And you are an investment in everything in your life that you've been through. All of the suffering, all of the pain, all of the lessons, all of the hurt. That is an investment that you have spent time doing in your inner work that that other person should be paying you for. Period. And I want you to hear my voice next time you try to undercut yourself by offering to do something for free or for a very low rate. As soon as you start to believe that you deserve to get paid for what you're doing, 
you will draw in the people who will pay you for it. And I know that there are many, many deep-seated and often unconscious blocks and obstacles that we somehow got told along the way that we should be doing this for free or that we should be doing this because it's the right thing to do or because we're good at it or because we're spiritual or blah, blah, blah. And you deserve to get support on working through those issues so that you are getting paid to live a life that is sustainable, where you're thriving and where you're able to not just pay your bills, but to save money. You deserve to feel safe financially from this work. And if I hear one more person say, I don't want to charge because it's spiritual work, I want you to question whether or not you have been colonized by some patriarchal bullshit that says that holding space is spiritual, i.e. not tangible, right? Not a physical product, right? That you've created. So therefore, because you're working on healing arts and higher vibrations of consciousness, you know, it shouldn't be free and it shouldn't be touched by the dirtiness of money and the dirtiness of capitalism. Bullshit. Money is not dirty. Money is many things. It can be dirty, but money is a currency and currencies are the way that we trade, the way that we translate and trade energy and vibration. It's our relationship to the currency, just like it's our relationship to the planets or our relationships to an aspect that determines the quality of that relationship, right? A square is not inherently bad. Saturn is not inherently evil, right? It's our relationship to the energy that co-determines and co-arises, co-manifests how that energy shows up in our life and the same is true for money. So if somewhere along the way you got the belief that money is evil or dirty or bad, I want to, to encourage you to take a look at that because money does many wonderful things for us in our life and I see this question coming up in astrology circles. Does anyone, who here is practicing post-capitalist ways of blah, 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 blah. And I read through that and I'm saying, what the fuck are you talking about? Are you talking about not charging money for readings and offering on a trade basis? Okay, in my experience, trades rarely work. Now, I've done many trades. I've given readings for massage. I've given readings for energy work. I've given readings for paintings. I've given readings for... Um, uh, editing work. Uh, I've given readings for a lot of different things over the years. I am not opposed to trade, but it is imperative that the trade is extremely clear and spelled out. What exactly are you getting for the reading to ask the person, what's the value of this that you would charge if you were going to charge me? Because those two values need to align. And I've had experiences or I've done trades and, you know, I give the reading and then the other person falls through on their end, right? That's a shitty ass feeling. Or I did the trade and then I received the thing and it wasn't what we talked about. 
and then I'm disappointed and I'm resentful and that's shitty, right? That's not good for anybody. It's not good for the sanctity of the reading because now I'm having not good feelings toward that person in the situation and that's not right. As, as a counselor and as a space holder, like that's not a good thing for me or the client. But here's the thing. For me, a trade should be either because you so deeply want what it is the other person has to give that you would be willing to pay for it, but somehow doing the trade feels more in alignment, more true in your heart, or it's because it is the only way forward and you both are completely consenting to doing it, not out of guilt or some need to take care of the other person or save them because they're so desperate and in a crisis and they don't have any money, but they need a reading and oh my God, I can give you this. Yeah, no. Do a payment plan. Offer them a sliding scale. Do a payment plan. Right? Anybody can pay you 20 to $30 over X amount of weeks. I did that recently. Someone that I had worked with before, so there was trust involved. We already had an established relationship. I really liked this client and they had lost their job, right? I, I understood their circumstance and they were like, I can pay you for the session over the next eight weeks. I'm going to pay you on this, on these days, this much. I said, all right. I said, tell me the exact days and the amount. I trust you. That's fine. Payment plan. They asked me for a sliding scale. I said, I don't do sliding scale. I charge the amount that I charge. Now that's just me. Other people do sliding scale. That's fine. Right? But when I'm hearing this conversation about how do you do post-capitalist astrology spirit, I don't hear anybody else in the world offering their product and their service saying, oh, well, how, how maybe should we not be paying for this? Bullshit. What is wrong with money? What is wrong with you getting paid the money that you deserve for the time and energy that you invest into this holding of space and doing this counseling work with another person. Your time and energy is valuable. It is a limited resource that you will never get back. You are never going to get back the time or the energy that you invest into anything because those are two very real limited resources, which is one of the common denominators that we share in our human existence is there's a finite amount of time and a finite amount of energy that each one of us gets on this planet. Okay. Now that might be seen as more feminine or, um, you know, less tangible because it's not as physical. That is some patriarchal colonizing bullshit that says that it's the same thing that Women should take care of other people's emotions and we're the ones that get to do all the feeling and da 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 No. Our emotional processing is not free. It is a highly valued, limited, precious resource that if you are consciously, intentionally willing to give to someone else, you deserve to be fairly compensated for that. So please, stop trying to get the quote unquote spiritual modalities out of capitalism. Okay. As long as we live in a society where you need money to live, 
which we do and have had needed for a long time, then you need money to live. I do not think the answer is to try to figure out how to remove money from the equation. I think the answer is to look at and potentially shift and transform your relationship with money, which is often very complex because we know it's never actually really about the money, right? Just like the addiction is never actually about the substance. Money is never actually about the money. Yes, we need money to eat. We need money to live. Yes, okay. Money is a powerful symbol. It's a currency that has somehow been the place that holds so much of our unconscious psychic beliefs and attitudes and conditioning about other things like our self-worth, like uh, deserving to live a good full life where you feel safe, where you feel secure, where you feel taken care of. Who told you along the way your story about money? Where and how did you inherit your beliefs around money? From your mom, from your dad, from your grandma, from your grandpa, from a teacher in school, from the church, from the government, from some news program. Like seriously, your relationship to money, it did not just appear out of thin air. Where did you get that from? Please stop trying to remove astrology from currency. Please stop saying that you should do donation-based work. Unless you are totally thriving in your life and you have no debt and you are paying all your bills and you have savings, please do not offer your work for free or on a donation base. I would rather you go and spend that time doing something that takes care of yourself and, and, and helps you work through whatever potential issues might be there than you giving that work away for free. Now, yes, we need experience and we need training. And in the beginning, we want to do as many readings as we can to get that experience. There is a way to do that without you being, in my opinion, taken advantage of. All right. That's my rant about money. I'm going to do a podcast about money and astrology because I think it's a huge topic and I think it's one that we really need to look at um, because, you know, oftentimes money is associated with Venus or the second house or the eighth house, other people's resources, sometimes Jupiter, abundance, sometimes Saturn, our work in the world. And I'll say, yes, all of those can provide clues to us around how we make money. But here's the thing. Many people in this world do not make money from what brings them joy. It's very rare to see that. So if Venus is what we love and what we value, and that's also the second house, if, you're in, if you are in a profession that you don't particularly love or you're not making money from what you love, then I really wouldn't necessarily be able to look at those positions to understand that. And so here's the thing for me. As I said before, money's never just about money. It's always about something else. And so we have to psychologically understand the person's story 
and their context and their relationship to money. So before we, you know, in order to understand how to interpret their relationship to money with the chart, we can't just go like Venus is money. Well, let's just look at what house your Venus inside it is. And that'll tell us blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It might give us some intimations of some things, but actually there are things, many, many things that transcend the chart or that are a priori to it that come before the chart that we bring into the chart that we need to understand from a psychological perspective to then apply the tool of astrology to get a, a more clear picture of what's going on. But anyways, that's, that's another podcast. So let's see, is there anything else I want to rant about? <laughs> there are, but I kind of feel like, hi, I don't want to overwhelm anybody in my rant. When I caretake you guys right now, I'm like, oh, was that too much? Am I being too too direct, too forceful, too aggressive. Yeah, that's right. I say all of this out of love. I say all of this out of my passion and my love. I have the most deep abiding love of this universe. My fidelity is to the cosmos and I will do everything in my power, in my devotion, to bring that through in the best way I can for me, my clients, my students. And I might not be perfect. Hell, I am definitely not perfect. But I am willing to show up in these hard places and talk about these hard things because astrology deserves it. You deserve it. Your clients deserve it. For all of you, who are practicing professional astrologers, you deserve to get the support and the guidance that you need to be the best you as an astrologer that you can be. Thank you so much for tuning in to stream. I'm Jessica DeRuzza.